0: As you saw in that video, or at least as hopefully you could see, even though it's a little dark, it's one of those dark, kind of moody, artistic pieces that actually is hard to see on a day and in a room that's this bright. But as you might have seen there, as you heard, there is this theme of pottery. God is a creator, as an artist, throughout the Scriptures, and this this uh, image of God as a potter is something that's actually quite common in Scripture, and it's this beautiful picture of how God is making and molding us as human beings into something beautiful, for beautiful purposes. And I love that imagery. And, you know, I, I come with two convictions about sort of God as creator. One is that I think God is the most creative, artistic uh, being there is. And that God makes beautiful things. And my other conviction is that the people of the church should be some of the most creative people in the world because of his spirit within us. I've said before one time, I remember, I think it was around the time we did the renovations in the building, I said that I believe that churches shouldn't be ugly. And I remember people kind of laughed at that time. I wasn't referring to the people so much as I was the (laughs) building. But I think that churches, certainly us as human beings, there should be something beautiful about what God is doing in us, but even our buildings should in some sense, in some measure, represent the beauty of God here amongst us. Now, I think that we are deeply ingrained with a desire for beauty in the world. And that's because God created it to be beautiful and good. And in this series, we've been talking about how God created the world, us, for good. I want to take you back to one of the very first verses. It ends chapter 1 of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at it now. I want to remind you of this verse that we've been calling back to again and again. Genesis 1, 31. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Now, if you see something is good, the word for that that we use is something is beautiful. And God can see that all that he has created is good. Which says to me that God creates things in a beautiful way. God values beauty. The world is hardwired for beauty. You, me, us, we, the world around us, was designed with beauty as part of our DNA, ingrained into who we are, what we're about, our purpose even. And I think that that plays itself out in our world today by a deep desire for beauty in the world. Unfortunately, we seek to fill that desire in a lot of unhealthy ways. Now I think about, uh, right now within our own culture, how common it is to have a social media personality to represent ourselves as more beautiful than we really are. Even our meals have to be Instagram-worthy. I know some of you maybe aren't as online as others in the room. That's okay. I think that we all have an awareness of how common it is in our world to try to present ourselves as more beautiful, quote-unquote, than we really are. It also leads us into a place where we desire pleasure in all kinds of places that could be actually destructive for us. We look at something and it's desirable to us and we pursue it because it's beautiful or it looks good or we think it will make us feel good. And that pursuit of beauty, that desire that we have ingrained within us gets expressed in all kinds of dysfunctional ways. That's addictions we even sang about earlier, isn't it? There's some beauty, some good that we are pursuing, that we were designed for, that we were meant for, and yet we're looking for it in all the wrong places. We were built, inclined towards beauty and goodness, and we've sought it out in our own strength, in our own power, in our own sources that aren't life-giving so many times. It's the thing that attracts our eye, but kills our spirit and our soul. Men, women looking at pornography on the Internet. People in workplaces looking towards money because they believe it will give them a sense of power and life. Someone looking to a drug, a chemical, a liquid, a fluid, whatever it might be, food, some relationship, in order to fulfill some of that goodness that we desire for ourselves. And yes, we were created to experience beauty and goodness. But when we go looking for it in the wrong places, it makes a mess. We were designed for beauty and to be beautiful and to make things beautiful. That's one of my deep convictions about life. I've had this deep desire since I was a child to make things beautiful. To be involved in creativity. And a number of years back, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, I just decided I need to finally focus my thoughts around this. And I spent a whole year where every week I tried to read a whole new book. I'm not a huge reader. But I read every book I could find on creativity from every perspective that I could. And I just learned so much in that year. That just kind of, I enjoyed. So now what I want you to do, there's some paper on your table and there's a pencil. And I know some of you haven't drawn anything since you were five. (laughs) But this week we had at the greenhouse, we've been doing on Tuesday nights with families. Uh, What's been kind of a funny thing for me is, you know, coming into the summer, I knew that there were a lot of families that because of the bubble and COVID and all that's been happening, they just weren't going to be around in the summer. So I was saying to them, how could we stay connected through the summer as a church, even if you're not going to be here on the weekends because you're traveling? And so we decided to do the greenhouse. So it's been kind of a strange summer. There's not a lot of families here this morning, but they've been coming on Tuesday nights at the greenhouse, which has been a lot of fun. Anyway, we had an activity where we were looking at a book created by Canadian Baptist Ministries. It was a children's book. And we got to watch a video where the artist of the children's book taught us how to draw a chicken. Uh, we're not going to do that today, but here's your assignment that I'm, I'm going to give you just a few seconds to do, and then I'll keep talking, and you can keep drawing if you'd like. I'd like you to draw something beautiful, uh, something that to you reminds you of a sense of beauty in the world, something that's life-giving and good. It can be anything you want at all, and if you say, well, I'm not that artistic, that's okay. I'm not going to put it on my fridge. Um, <laughs> We're not going to display it here today. But I just want you to do it as an exercise for yourself. I want you to draw something that you think is beautiful. And if you really say, I'm not good at this. I don't like these kind of assignments in church. I didn't come here for homework. That's okay. Just write a word of something that's beautiful to you. But write that word somehow in a fancy way. So that it's something that you find beautiful in the world. Now, I'm just kind of talking to fill the gap of space I'm not really saying anything right now. I'm, I'm kind of watching you draw, hopefully. And I, I'm recognizing that some of you are like, "Like, I'm not going to do it no matter how much you talk and no matter how much you stare at me. That's okay. You're just missing out for yourself. Um, but just draw something that you think is beautiful. And I know some of you are saying, well, I, I'm not a good drawer. That's not the point. I'm not artistic. That's not the point but make something beautiful. Something that to you reminds you of beauty. I always find it so funny when I ask people to do things like this. For some people, this is like, you're asking me to do something that's childlike, and I am not a child. But if you can't be like a child, Jesus said, you can't get in the kingdom. So I'm helping you practice being a child so that when you get to meet Jesus, you have that childlike, kingdom-like faith. Okay, you can keep drawing, and I'm going to start actually talking about stuff now. Um, What I want to suggest to you is that art is important. That making culture is important for our task as human beings. But more than that, I want to, before we talk about the doing... The major focus of what I'm going to talk about today is not the doing of art and creation and creativity and culture. What I want to talk about us as creative beings. Because if we don't get that right, if we don't get the relationship with God right, then the action will be worthless. So what we need to do is focus our attention on what it means to live in a way that's creative. Now whenever you think you're done with your drawing, you can set your pencil down. Um, you don't need to keep going longer than you need to, but um, you might want to look at just what your neighbors are doing and all that. and stuff. Uh, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing like we're tracing a cup. You're pretty determined to get a circle. OK, this is good. This is fun. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start directing your attention to a quote now on the screen. And you can either watch or just listen. This is a a quote by Francis Schaeffer from his book, Art and the Bible, just really a short essay. And he's talking about art here, but it's, it's very important for us to understand what it means to live creatively. Because I think what the world needs is not only to experience how God designed beauty and goodness, but to see that in us as God's people. And Francis Schaeffer writes this, No work of art is more important than the Christian's own life. And every Christian is cared upon to be uh, an artist in this sense. He may have no gift of writing, no gift of composing or singing, and I'll add here, no gift of drawing on a piece of sketch paper. But each man, woman, has the gift of creativity in terms of the way he or she lives his or her life. In this sense, the Christian's life is to be an artwork. The Christian's life is to be a thing of truth and also a thing of beauty in the midst of a lost and despairing world. And as I began, I I was saying that in our world, people are pursuing goodness and beauty in all kinds of unhelpful and unhealthy ways. And there is a sense of lostness and despair that comes with that when we realize it's not satisfying that deep ingrained desire. And so Christians, Francis Schaeffer is saying, is the Christian is meant to be a signpost in the midst of a lost and despairing world that points people towards life, truth, beauty, goodness, sourced in, found in God alone. And so today what we're going to do is explore what it means for us to live creatively, for us to live as artwork, as Francis Schaeffer has said. Now, in the midst of our suffering and brokenness, there's some wrong ways that we can pursue this, and I want to sort of uh, detach us from the pursuit Uh, that most Christians have actually done in this regard. And so uh, to do that, we're going to look at Job, I think. Is that our next slide? Yeah. The story of Job in the Bible is one of the oldest writings within the biblical text. And Job is a righteous man who has done nothing wrong. And yet he is tested by the evil one to determine whether he is truly good or only loves God because of the good things that God gives him. So Job suffers, and he loses family, he loses wealth, possessions, and he is suffering, suffering, suffering. And he has some friends come along, and they are good-intentioned, well-intentioned, they have good thoughts, they have a desire to help him in some way, but each of Job's friends fails him because they get it wrong about what is going on in this moment. Now, I want us for our own purposes today, to recognize this is perhaps how we as Christians can, in the wrong way, approach a lost and despairing world, like Job. And Elihu, he comes to Job, his buddy, and what he starts to say sounds so good because he's recognizing something about the creation of God and how God is a creator and he's identifying with Job, and that part sounds good, but then listen where he ends up. So and this is Job 33, verses 4 to 6, and then verse 12. Elihu says to Job, in the midst of his pain, his lostness, his despairing, for the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Well, that all sounds good. Look, you and I both belong to God. I, too, was formed from clay. So Elihu is saying, you know, we were both formed by God. We are God's creative works. We were, you know, made humbly and filled by and given life by God himself. But then Elihu goes on to say this, but you are wrong, and I will show you why. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, you are wrong, and I will show you why? And that's only happened to me. I guess I'm the only one who ever does something wrong or struggles or suffers in the world. Okay, well, I think it's probably more common uh, in our experience than sort of the crowd response has indicated. When we approach somebody in this lost, despairing world, and we say, you're wrong, and I'm going to tell you why, there might be truth in what we're saying, and yet we fail them for another reason. We fail them because we actually distance ourselves from them. He's been trying to identify with Job here, and yet he pushes him away to say, I know something you don't. I'm better than you in some way. I have a knowledge and understanding that's greater than your own. There's not that posture of humility that he started with. And I think this is the approach that many Christians have taken in our world. We have gone to the culture around us, we've gone to the people around us, and we've approached them with a, you're wrong and let me tell you why. Now, there might be truth to that. It might very well be that they are wrong and they need to know that. And in our commitment to truth, there might be times we need to say that. So I'm not dismissing that entirely out of hand. But I think that when we approach the world that is hurting, lost, broken, our friends, our neighbors, you imagine somebody who's sick in the hospital, it's probably not the moment to to walk in and say, here's why you're sick, and I'll tell you why you're wrong and what you did wrong. Probably what they need is your compassion to come alongside of them, not to set yourself apart from them as an expert, but simply to point to something better. And what I think we need to do within our culture, within the world that's hurt and losting, despairing, broken, is we need to come alongside and point to something more beautiful, more good. Rather than point to the wrong, point to a better way to create something better and beautiful and good. Now, that's not to say that we dismiss sin. It's not to say, but I think we can beat people up too much and shame them rather than call them to their best selves and the life that God has and flourishing. And God himself does this at the end of Job. Job is asking the questions of God. He's saying, you know, why is it that I'm suffering in this way? Answer me. Show me. And Elihu has been trying to give him the answer. Here's why you suffered. I'll tell you why you're wrong. You must have done something wrong, Job. But that's not God's response at all. God comes to Job in the midst of it, and he doesn't give him any answers whatsoever. Instead, he points him to beauty. He points him to creation. And he brings about Job's healing through creativity and a new perspective. Look at this. Uh, let's go to the next slide here. Job 38:4. This is now God speaking to Job, answering him without answering him. And God begins this long chapter where he points to the things of creation and he says to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Sometimes the problems of this world are not knowledge. It's a lack of desire. It's that beauty being unfulfilled. Many of the problems in our world are a taste for something bad because we're looking for that thing that's good. Have you ever had a craving at night and you know that you want to eat something good, but you eat something bad? You know this feeling. You know this feeling, and it plays out in all kinds of bigger ways in our world today. Where we desire something good, but we satisfy ourselves, or try to, with something that's going to add a couple of pounds. And God doesn't, God doesn't address Job's lack of knowledge. He speaks to his spirit and his soul by pointing him to beauty and reminding him of who he is as God. That he's good, that he's loving, that he's created things in an infinitely complex way that's far beyond what we can even imagine or comprehend. And he points Job to that. And some of you know what it's like to go out into creation and to find healing, to take in that deep breath and to know God's goodness just by being in creation. And that's what God does for Job. He doesn't answer his questions, He doesn't give him a greater truth and a greater knowledge. He just shows up and shows himself, and he shows himself through his creation. And I think in our world today, there is a lack of beauty, and that we, as people of God's church, God's people, we should be creating beauty in the world that's healthy and good, and that shows the goodness and kindness of God, because that's what people are desiring, they just don't know it. Now let me take you to a couple of uh, quotes here. The first uh, comes from Andy Crouch in his book Culture Making, and he says simply, "Creativity is the only viable source of change." Now he's talking about a lot of complex ideas here, but that ver- that that sense is simple. When we want to see change in the world, when we think the world is a mess. We could approach it like Elihu, and we could come up and say, here's why you're wrong, and I'll tell you why. Or we could just create something more beautiful to allow people not to be drawn to these destructive patterns that really won't satisfy, but to allow them to see something beautiful in the world and to be drawn to God in that way. Yes, sometimes we need to recognize that we're in a mess. We need to hit rock bottom so we can start looking in a different direction. I think more times there is just a lack of hope. There's a lack of life because we aren't being met in that desire, that need that we have for beauty and goodness. And so as we as Christians, I think what we need to do is when we see a culture, a world that looks broken and ugly in many ways, our response shouldn't be just to confront, but rather our response should be to create something more beautiful. To show a better way, to show what life actually looks like, and that as we do that in the way that we live, we are with God, co-creators of something beautiful in the world. So Andy Crouch says, creativity is the only viable source of change. One of the things they say, so I'm told, I'm, you know, when you are trying a new diet, it's the the more effective approach is to not just cut yourself off from things, but to create a new sense of taste and desire. So the approach isn't just to say, these foods are bad for me, but to start to actually love the foods that are good for you. This is a similar kind of thing in, in what he is suggesting here is Rather than just saying to the world, those activities are bad, don't do them, show the world a way that is life-giving and full and joyful so they want to be part of that good thing. In fact, uh, some research on addicts have shown that what addicts don't need is simply to break free of the drug. What they actually need is community. What they actually need is to be welcomed into joy and life with other people to something better than the drug that is the coping mechanism. What we as Christians should do is offer the viable determinant of just something better so that people create a desire, recognize their desire for something good and beautiful. Rather than just saying, this stuff is bad and I'll tell you why. Let's make something better, something more beautiful. Here's the next quote. This is Steve Turner in his book, Imagine, A Vision for Christians in the Arts. And again, he's speaking about art, but I want us to hear it about how we can live our lives as artwork. He says, the best art doesn't tell people what to believe, like Elihu tried to do but enables them for a short while to see things differently, which is what God tried to do for Job, to give him a new perspective. So the best art doesn't tell people what to believe, but enables them for a short while to see things differently. And the Christian can enable people to momentarily glimpse the world through eyes that have been touched by Christ. What we can do as Christians is to live in a new way so that people can see and get a vision for something far better than they've ever seen anywhere else. To help them see the difference that Christ makes, to see the beauty of the way of God that we have found through Jesus Christ. That's the thing. That's what it means to live creatively, to live in such a way that we are helping people to recognize what it means to live in a new way. And that's the only viable means for change, as we heard before. If we want to see the world, if if we say the world is going to hell in a handbasket and there's all these things we don't like about culture, we don't like the music, we think that this and that is too bad, well, okay, do something about it. Make something more beautiful. Make something that's more attractive, that somehow represents the life of God all the more. And then people won't go desiring the junk food and the terrible things that lead us away from life. Let's go to the next slide here as we reflect on this. I want you to hear how the life of Jesus changes us and makes us new. And we've been talking throughout the series not only about the origin story of how God created us in the beginning, but also how Jesus makes it possible for us to live that intention in a new way now. That yes, we were created in the way, but there's somehow the mess of sin in the world causes a problem. But we are able to live in that life of intention because of Jesus now. It makes it possible for us to start again. And we hear this in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. We together as God's church, God's people, the ones who are beloved by him, we are his masterpiece. We are God's artwork. Are you hearing that? We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God created us in order to be creative, to be fruitful and multiply, the beginning origin story said. We were created to bring about even greater flourishing in the world, even greater beauty. And now in Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to start again, to be created anew, For something better, to do great things, to be fruitful and multiply, to make things beautiful in our world. And Jesus makes it possible for us to live creatively, to live in a way that's beautiful and that's attractive to the world, and that produces flourishing in all things. We are God's masterpiece, we are God's artwork. In us, He is doing something beautiful. Let's go to the next slide here. I want to begin to suggest now two things to help you live creatively this new life of Jesus. Two things to live creatively. The first is keep your inspiration. Keep your inspiration. Every artist needs inspiration. The Greeks talked about the muse that would come and inspire them. But in Christianity, we have a sense of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that inspires us to live in a new way, to live in the life of Jesus. So let's just look at this uh, for a bit of a refresher here. Back in the origin story, Genesis 2, verse 7, how did God form us? Well, this is the first image of God as a potter. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. You can see him taking the clay, taking the dirt forming it, shaping it. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And a number of weeks ago, I talked about how in Jesus' story, in John 20, Jesus breathed the breath of the, of the Spirit onto his disciples as well, allowing us to live in a new way, the way we were intended to live, which is an intimate connection with the life of God. How do we live creatively? We live creatively by remembering and keeping our inspiration. Living on, drawing on the source of life himself, God. And constantly being powered by his spirit. We do that by reading the scriptures. We do that by gathering in community of other spirit-filled people. We as a church keep our inspiration of the Holy Spirit together. And when we are living by the power of the Spirit, we will begin to live in all kinds of creative ways. Now, there's an interesting story where uh, in the people of God, um, God wants them to build the tabernacle in Exodus 31. And he starts telling Moses how to build the tabernacle, which would later become a temple. And he's telling him how to do this. And he, he starts telling him about this one skilled man that he wants Moses to call upon to build. Exodus 31, verses 1 to 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur. I don't know why we're getting his lineage, but it's like, here's a really specific guy. Let me tell you how to find him. Go to Bezalel, Bezalel of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him, listen to this, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. This guy's an artist. And what is God doing? God is giving him his Holy Spirit to be a really good artist. God loves beauty and goodness. That's how he created the world. That's his desire for us. And he formed us and filled us with his Spirit so that we could make good things and beautiful things in the world too. Just like him. And you say, well, what does that have to do with me? I'm not an artist. Just look at what I drew. (laughs) But I want you to think about the thing that God has called you to do in the world. Some of you watch kids. Some of you cook. Some of you do taxes or accounting. Some of you build things. Some of you are out farming or gathering food. What if you began to imagine whatever work you were doing in the world was something that God had filled you with his spirit to make you even better at? What if you saw yourself as caring for your children in your home by the power of God's spirit? How would that change your perspective on what you're doing in those moments? What if you saw that accounting job where you sometimes feel like you're just moving an Excel worksheet around? What if you saw that or pushing pixels on a screen or whatever it is you do, hammering a nail, whatever it is you do, what if you saw that as a task that God had empowered you by his spirit to do even greater and for his glory? What if you saw that task in a new way? And what if you began to live creatively, making something beautiful in that moment by God's own power and strength? That is what I mean when I say, keep your inspiration. Live by the power of the Holy Spirit in those everyday moments of your own personal calling, wherever God has placed you, living it out with his power so that you can make something beautiful in the world. That's how we live creatively. That's how we make something beautiful. Then, let's look at this. The next point is mirrors and signposts. A number of weeks ago, I talked about what it means to be made in the image of God. When he formed us out of that clay, he made us in his image, the Bible says. And what does that mean? It means that we're a reflection of who he is, who God is. We are meant to be mirrors. But what if we also extend that to the things that we make? The things that we make are meant to be a reflection of the character of God as well. Signposts is the way I've framed this. What if we were to create things in the world through whatever our work, whatever activities we find ourselves doing, what if we were to make those things as signposts to the goodness of God? So every time we build a home, every time we raise a child, every time we push a pencil, every time we spread the worksheet work, the spreadsheet, whatever. Every time we did that, we were somehow living out the creative work of producing peace and flourishing in the world by God's Spirit. That would point people in the world to the goodness of God, and I think that's what we're meant to do. And you might say, well, I'm not an artist, but you can make something beautiful. You can create something that shows the goodness of God. Now, some of you have done this in the area of injustice. Or sometimes we do that together as a church by taking on a challenge in the world that is ugly. You know, it's ugly when children don't have school supplies when they go to school. That's ugly. But we as Christians, we make something beautiful when we show up and we change that. Not by just going and standing at those kids' homes and saying, it's really terrible you don't have school supplies like Elihu but rather showing up and making something new, something beautiful, something good. We show up with the school supplies. It's not that culture of your workplace that's toxic, that robs you of life. It's showing up and making something new that's better. It's being the first one to bring the cake for someone else's birthday so that you start to celebrate each other. Maybe it's just as simple as being the first one to offer a word of encouragement in a place that's really negative. That is making something beautiful. That's being creative in a dark and hurting and broken world. That's showing the goodness of God as a signpost in the things that we do in the world. And that's something that the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to do. What does it mean for you in your life, wherever you are found, to be creative, to be artistic, to make something beautiful by the power of God? That's what we were created for. We were created for good. And whenever we do that, we are a mirror of God, and we are pointing to people to him and his goodness. I want to take you to a verse now, and this is in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 to 7, where there's this image of pottery and us as these kind of broken clay vessels. For God said, Let there be light in the darkness. Those are the beginning words of the origin story in Genesis. God said, Let there be light in the darkness, and he has made this light shine in our hearts. So we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining through our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile, fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So you might say, I'm not a great artist. So I can't do something powerful and majestic. I'm just my own little humble pot. That's okay. Because here this verse is saying that even when we're just a humble clay pot the light of God that's within us shines out through us. And in fact, those little cracks in the jar, those places where you aren't perfect, that allows the light to get through. That allows people to see that it's not really you that's doing something great and wonderful, but it's actually God that's producing that. So don't worry about being perfect. Don't worry about making a drawing that's accurate or technically correct. Don't worry about getting everything in your life 100% perfectly arranged. No, just live your life in a creative way, which is fueled by the Spirit of God. Just live creatively. Live beautifully. Live with love at the core of your being. Allow the life of Jesus to shine through you, not because you're perfect, but because you are broken and His goodness shines through you. And don't worry about not being good enough. God has created you as you are to do something beautiful in the world wherever you may be found whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, the life of Jesus can shine through you and you can make something beautiful in the world. (sighs) I kind of like this topic and I'm really happy to be talking about it today. Could you tell? Let's go to the next slide. I want to show you a picture of a person. Time is getting on. This is Lisa Bowman taylor She, um, She attends Cornerstone, usually at the Cornwall site. And a number of years ago, Lisa did some artwork, and we've got some prints of it here on the wall today. And she did the creation story. There's a lot that I could say about how she how she created it. That's really incredible. I'm going to let you just look at it and figure some of those details out. Um, but I will I will make mention of one detail, and that is if you look at it, there's kind of a top and bottom half. There's a separation in each picture. And if you remember the story of creation, God is separating light from darkness, separating land from sea and sky. And she has intuitively grasped that idea and represented it in a really beautiful way. So after the service, I'd encourage you to look at that. She's also got a piece of artwork that I've hung on the wall over here. And beside that is a write-up explaining all of these artworks and her perspective as an artist. If you know Lisa, she's been open and honest about her own brokenness and struggles as a human being with mental health issues and whatnot. But she's just an incredible person who's been shaped and touched by the life of Jesus in some beautiful ways. And I want to read for you what is written on that wall um, because it explains something beautiful here. Lisa bowman taylor writes, In my illustration series, Creation, Genesis 1-1, the creation story is shown as it is made day by day in a literal application. Each day, God creates forms, land, sea, air, stars, creatures, humans. Originally, these art pieces were produced in the form of clay plates, and illustrated using a process called strogofito. You don't know how to pronounce it either. (laughs) As I worked on each piece, the thing that struck me was at the end of each day, after God had created what he had, God looked and saw that it was good. Goodness and great things come from the creator according to his design and plan. The end products glorify the creator. When considering the second piece to display, I originally contemplated painting something of God's beauty. A stunning sunset, a gorgeous flower, a landscape. But these are all of God's creations, and there's nothing I can do to improve upon them. I can only provide a hair's breadth of talent, expressing my perspective of his creation's glory. Instead, I chose to complete an abstract piece called Healing and Rebirth. This shows a much more messy and chaotic perspective of giving glory to God. Perhaps this is the one you'll identify more with. As an artist, I have been blessed with talents and gifts that I use to process the world around me, to examine my own inner turmoil, and to help offer my sins to him. This type of art is helping me develop a relationship with God the Father and God the Creator. By creating abstract art, I am participating in an emotional healing process from past hurts and transgressions. It is messy... It is messy, painful, and beautiful at the same time. I have to accept that all I create with God in mind has a purpose, and in the process, it is good. I don't mean that in a vain way that the art is good, as we all have different likes and dislikes. But for me, the process is good. It helps me start to look at myself as a creation of God. I am far from perfect. I am still filled with sin and mistakes but I am part of the process in his creating something that at the end of the day, I hope both he and I can look back and see it was good. What I said to Lisa the other day when I picked up the pieces is I said to her, in the mess that her life is, quote unquote, now, what is the most beautiful thing is what God is doing in her. the artwork is cool and incredible and impressive, and it makes me think about God in all kinds of ways. But what's beautiful is what God is doing in her. And that is the greatest artwork of God, what he does in us. And when we get that right, when we get a sense of what God is doing in us, and that we are his masterpiece, we are his artwork, then we can become creative in what we do. When we get who we are right, what we do starts to follow And so here's my call to you. Here's the call of scripture, I believe, upon our lives as people who love God, who follow Jesus. It's this. Make something beautiful. Wherever you go tomorrow, whatever you do, look for the opportunity to create something better. Whether it's just the climate of your workplace, whether it's how people relate, how you treat somebody, whether it's an actual artistic piece, make something beautiful keep your inspiration by the power of the holy spirit by the power of the holy spirit in you bring about the flourishing of god in some small way wherever you are that great shalom peace make something beautiful in the ugliness and as you make something beautiful it shines a light about the life of jesus that is far more attractive and appealing than the ugliness within our world. Make something beautiful. Make something better. And each day, can you imagine what the world would be like if all Christians around the world each day made something a little bit better? What would it be like when we looked at the problems in our world, the ugliness of the world, and we just made it a little bit better day after day after What difference could that make in our lives, in other people's lives, in the world around us? Can you imagine what that would be like, how beautiful that would be? Make something beautiful. We are God's masterpieces in his artwork. And it is our place within the world to show the handiwork of God, his goodness, his life, his love. How can you do that today, tomorrow? How can you make something beautiful so that the world would say, It's good. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you give us the chance for something new. That you make us new again by the power of your Holy Spirit. That you conquer even death and the ugliness of the grave. And you make a beautiful life possible. Help us to live by the power of your Holy Spirit in that new way. To live creatively. To transform the darkness and ugliness of the world into something more beautiful more like your kingdom, more of a reflection of your own heart and your life and love. Help us to see the world flourish in the way that you'd intended as you make all things new in us, through us, within the world. We thank you for who you are, what you've done for us, and we thank you for the hope that is ours because of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.